The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, the Flyers are off to a nice start to their season. They are 3-1-0. Last year, they also started 3-1-0. And really what's notable is they played dominant hockey on home ice. Last two wins at the Wells Fargo Center. Impressive stuff from them. Joe, your biggest takeaway, good or bad, from this start for the Flyers? Well, I'm going to say, and this is kind of obvious, and it it really focuses on the last two games, and that's Carter Hart. I mean, he looks like he's playing. During last night's game, I had a thought, is this the best two-game stretch in his career? Because he just looked like nobody was going to score on him. Um, And it's interesting because I feel like – with everything going on with this team, with the rebuild and, and and the young guys playing, it's almost like it's an afterthought. Like, hey, Carter Hart, he's been awesome too. You know, because that's not really what's focused on. And then I heard John Tortorella on the broadcast last night say something to the effect of he's the backbone of our team during one of those like mid-period interviews. And I thought to myself, it's like, are we taking it for granted now? And is it okay to do so? Because in the history of the league, the teams that have had these great goaltenders, and I'm not comparing Hart to a guy like Martin Brodeur, but I'm sure the Devils took Brodeur for granted after a while. You focus on what's going on the ice, and if all else fails, he's back there to stop it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost been that sort of um, uh, attitude the last two games like well if all else fails Carter Hart's playing great so um we do have that you know going for us so um I thought I think he's looked great um he sounds confident when he talks after and um it, it brought me back to something that he's been saying since the beginning of his career and that is he wants to play every game and this stretch that they have right now, they're fortunate enough to not have any back-to-backs so they can keep playing him every game. Um, and I think we're seeing that pay off as he – it's almost like his confidence continues to grow. Now, they – the Dallas team they play on Saturday, I think, is by far the best team they've played. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll, we'll see what that's all about But because I think Dallas is a cup contender for sure. So um, that'll be a big test. And, I mean, we assume he plays Saturday. Uh, but for right now, I mean, you just got to ride the hot hand. And he's play- he, is, uh, he is certainly the hot hand on this team right now. Last two games, both at home, Hart gives up just one combined goal 
to the Canucks and Oilers. Impressive stuff there. And Joe, it just reminded me when the Flyers are playing well in front of him and they're structured and they're they're keeping the puck in the offensive zone, they're not living in the D zone. Carter Hart is elite. He is very, very good. If if they give him a chance to stop the puck, um, they're he, like they can beat anybody. We've seen it when when Hart is on his game, they can beat anybody in the NHL. When they're having him face a ton of shots and he's sprawling all over the place, they very much look like a rebuilding team. But yeah, Hart was excellent. Joan, for me, my biggest takeaway was just Sean Couturier. I thought he was a treat to watch in these two home games. It just felt like a flashback to old times where Couturier is on the ice in all situations. He's taking tough face-offs, and he's just that calming presence for the Flyers. He truly was a treat to watch. It was fun to watch. If you like watching hockey and you like watching 200-foot prowess, uh, you would enjoy watching Sean Couturier. So I thought uh, just seeing him out there and looking like himself again was really impressive and and fun to watch. Well, the thing with Couturier is, too, we don't know that he's 100%. There was some speculation he wasn't going to play the yeah. game the other night uh, against Vancouver, and he ends up playing. He didn't really reveal much about what was going on, aside from the fact that it wasn't related to his back injury that he missed most of the last two seasons with. But if he's not 100%, whatever percent he is, is better than most guys 100%. And, you know, he just – he's – I don't remember if it was Elaine Vigneault that said he kind of just cures what ails on the team. Yeah. Like, we need to get a guy going, put him with Couturier. If we need to, you know, if, if we need to tighten up defensively, defensively put Couturier up. Like, he settles everything down. And – um, you see that early in the season. You see him come out there and it just – everything settles down. And uh, he just makes everything better when he's out on the ice. And, um, you know, he – to me, he's a – he is a John Tortorella player uh, if I've ever seen one. And I think when you hear John Tortorella talk about how he plays, you see that or you hear that. Couldn't agree more. And Thursday night was just a prime example of what they've missed in Couturier. It's a 2-1 game. Flyers have the lead. Second period, the Oilers' power play hits the ice. And that's like a swing right there. If, in years past, without Couturier, the Oilers probably score at the tied game going into second intermission. And who knows where the game goes. But Couturier on the PK shows, his, shows what he does. He strips McDavid or intercepts his pass. Puck goes the other way. Walker scores a shorthanded goal. It's 3-1 Flyers, and suddenly the Flyers are in control. It's like Couturier just – that's what – those are things he does that I don't think they've had in the last year and a half, two, almost two years. So, uh, yeah, just just very nice to see Couturier back out there and doing what he does. But, Joe, shifting gears. Oh, you, Joe, I just Yeah, I just – one comment on that. If you think back to yeah. the last time Edmonton played here, it was later in last season. So – and obviously there was no Couturier. They must have been thinking what what what's going on here last night with the because if I'm if I remember correctly that game I think Connor McDavid had three or four points in the third period alone of that game last year that sealed the win for Edmonton, and he was just allowed to do whatever he wanted all night. I think he had eight or nine shots on goal, and last night he had zero. 
or one. I heard somebody say one, and but the box scores showed zero. So um, they must have been thinking, like, what? Where's the team we played? You know, seven months, eight months ago here in the same building. And really, that's all about Sean Couturier and his activity on the penalty kill because their power play. I've I don't remember a time in Connor McDavid's career where you saw Edmonton's power play look as disjointed as it did in that game last night. And what can you say? It, it it's Couturier, and I, I'll give credit to the other guy. I mean, Cam Atkinson is a great penalty killer. Yes, and he was out there last night too. And both of those guys were not there when they played last year. Yeah, it's easy to forget. Both those guys are all situation players. They they help you on the power play, but they are huge on the penalty kill. Uh, and they're guys that can play 18 to 20 minutes a night up front. I mean, that those are two huge absences. Uh, and it makes it even more impressive that the Flyers actually started 3-1-0 last year as well without those two. Joe, a, a big storyline is last two wins, no Morgan Frost. Healthy scratch. He was scratched for the opener. Scratch for the, the second home game. Where do you think this goes? When does Frost get back in the lineup and who might it be for? Well, here's the thing. It, it's last year we knew who the targets were for Tortorella. And I think we're seeing early who one of the targets is this season. And um, there's no mixed messages here. It's the guys that earn their playing time. And, me, and I'm not just talking about Tortorella. Danny Briere said it before the season, too. The way the guys play is going to dictate how much they play. And we're seeing Brink. We're seeing Forrester. These guys are making things happen on the ice. Brink more so um, early on here. And it's more about, like, who's going – like, excuse me, who's going to – um relinquish that spot and right now i'm not sure if either of those guys are looking like that's going to happen anytime soon certainly not brink so um i'm sure they'll you know swap for austin for forrester sometime you know in the next few games to get him back in there but um i think it's becoming clear that the organization and I'm not just talking about the coach, is a little frustrated with the amount of opportunity Frost has gotten coupled with how much he's taken advantage of, which is not much. Um, he's had a lot of opportunities, and this is going back, you know, the last couple seasons, a lot of opportunities to really, really grab a hold of um, uh, of a, a key role in this team. And he just hasn't done it on a consistent level. And, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. I thought it was a little bit of a short leash to be completely honest. I mean, it's two games. He led the, he led the team in preseason scoring and we all know what he did in the second half of last year. He was one of their best players. So I thought it was a little bit of a short leash, but um, I, I, I agree. It's a short leash for yeah. sure. It, yeah. it, it, but John Tortorella like we know that about him, like he's big on short leashes. And the other thing he's, you just mentioned about him being the leading scorer in the preseason. He doesn't, he's, he's very quick to not let guys get too high on themselves. So there might be a little bit of that going on as well. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 not at all. I, uh, that's so true. And I, I do think if he gets back in, I, I think it could be, 
potentially Saturday, and I do think it would be for Tyson Forrester. I, I don't think Forrester has really stood out. Um, he's a guy that, like, if he's not – if he's not getting that shot off and he's not scoring goals, he 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 can blend in a little bit. Whereas Brink, Brink is you know up the ice, he's making plays, he's more of a playmaker. His vision is constantly being seen on the ice, and I think he's been excellent. I don't think you can take him out of the lineup right now. But um, I, I, kudos to Frost, though. I thought he really handled it well. He spoke to the media after the the home opening benching uh, between games and handled it like a pro. I said he understood it. He, he, he knows he has to play better. And I think that's a good sign of maturity and a guy that's taking it in stride. He, he, he's keeping a smile on his face and he's staying positive. And I think when he gets back in there, that can only help. If you're staying positive and you're not letting it beat you up, I think that's good for him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, he still has to win over John Tortorella. I thought I, I could sense that in training camp when we talked about Morgan Frost with John Tortorella he said he still needs to solidify his spot. Like he hadn't won anything yet. Um, and that's John Tortorella for you. Like you said, Joe, he's going to push you guys and make them go to another level. And if they don't, they will sit. And the thing you sense with John Tortorella about Frost is that he knows the potentials there. You can yeah. tell that he knows it. And his frustration is that he's not seeing it realized. Yeah. And that's, I think, where the issue with Frost is right now. The potentials there. And they're only seeing it come to fruition at certain times and certainly not on a consistent enough basis to be, you know, um, a solidified top six, you know, top nine, whatever it is. Um, and that's that's what they're waiting for. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this early season stuff will bring it out of him. And I think a kick in the butt sometimes works well for players and sometimes it doesn't. It'll be interesting to watch if this maybe messes with Frost mentally a little bit, or if it, if it, you know, kind of triggers him and pushes him to go to another level. I think what he said was very promising. I think it looks like it's going to help him, uh, but time will tell. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Joe, another thing to watch is the decisions on defense. The Flyers have not had easy calls on defense. They rotated their prospects in and out over the first four games. Emil Andre got two games. Igor Zamula got two games. Joe, what do you think of that? Is that a sustainable plan moving forward? And were you kind of disappointed to not see Zamula get back in the lineup against Edmonton after he had a great game against Vancouver? Yeah, I, I did think it was a little bit odd. The, the, I don't think it's a sustainable plan because those guys need to play. And if they're not going to play regularly, I'm not sure both of them can stay here if they're not going to play regularly. Um, Zamula, looked, like you mentioned, he looked good in the Vancouver game, scores a goal, and then he's out of the lineup. Emil Andre, last Saturday, he had a rookie game, if you've ever seen one, and – um, you know, you'd like to see him bounce back from that. And then, they, but they have to make up their mind. And there's still the risk alignment factor out there. He's here. He's making a lot of money. We don't know what his injury is. Um, but I think we all thought he was the second, a second line solidified defenseman heading into the season. And now it's kind of like, okay, where does he go when he comes back? Yeah. Um, so 
They definitely have some decisions to make. I don't think it's sustainable to keep two prospects up and only play them whatever amount of the percentage of games it is because those guys need to play and develop. Um, more so Andre. Because Zamola's, you know, he's a little up there in age and kind of they probably know a little more about him. But um, I don't think you can keep them both with the Flyers and kind of rotate them in and out. I don't think that's a good plan if you have any – plans on either of these guys being you know regulars in the lineup going forward they need to keep playing uh at a on a regular basis it's almost like the flyers were maybe just waiting for maybe an injury to happen like okay we'll carry these two prospects and we know injuries happen and if injuries happen it'll make our decisions but right now yeah ristolainen has yet to play it's looking it's looking like he's getting closer and then mark Stahl also got banged up in the second period on Thursday night and didn't return to the game. So perhaps injuries could, uh, could force the decisions for the flyers, but yeah, I just think it's not a good approach Joe whatsoever. And I think it's twofold one, as you mentioned, they prospects need to play every night. They, they need to be playing and playing minutes. And secondly, you run into the problem. If a prospect has a good game, like he comes out and like, so Zamola has a very promising night against Vancouver and he doesn't get a chance to build on it. And suddenly he's sitting after playing very well. And like, that's the problem too, is they didn't get a chance to reward Zamola for playing well. And I, I don't have a problem with Emil Andre playing. Like that's a fun, if that was the plan, that was the plan. But the problem, the problem is that Zamola couldn't get a chance to get back out there and build off of what he, what he did against Vancouver. Yeah, it's all the mom- it's it's all about the momentum stopping, and there's not really a reason for it to stop, other than this rotating of guys, and that's why I don't think it's sustainable. Because players, especially young players, they build off of confidence and they grow confidence by playing and playing well, and then when you're out of the lineup, it just stops. And um, it's not like they have enough tenure and experience in this league to just roll with it. That's not you know, veteran guys are used to that kind of stuff. Yeah. These players, I mean, they're, they're still finding themselves. They're figuring out who they are and what they, you know, hope to be in this league. And so that's why I, I just don't see it as a feasible plan going forward. I think they need to decide which one of those guys for right now is going to be the NHL one. And the other guy has to go to, uh, to play with the Phantoms. And I think my gut tells me Andre will be headed to the Phantoms at some point soon. Uh, I think they carried him on the roster because they they weren't quite sure. Like Ristolainen was banged up, and I think they wanted to reward him. I thought I think they thought he had a very good camp, very good preseason, and he and he deserved a taste of the NHL. And I'm glad they gave it to him. I think he's going to be a very very good player for them. But he's not waivers exempt. Uh, Zamula, uh, oh, I'm sorry, he is waivers exempt. Excuse me, Zamula is not waivers exempt would have to clear waivers to go to the Phantoms. And he's a little older, a little more established. I think he'll be staying and they'll have to find him games among the veterans. Whereas uh, Andre can go to Lehigh, be a part of that culture down there, play a ton of minutes. And it would not surprise me at some point if he's back here, but we'll see what the Flyers decide. But I, I think Joe, we agree. Uh, eventually decisions have to be made here. It's just, you, you can't keep rotating them in and out. It's just not a very, um, Good development plan uh, long-term. No. But yeah, Joe, uh, you agree. Uh, I think Dallas will be a very good test for them. I 
I, Joe, I think I don't want to take away from their start. I think three wins in four games and the, and some of the wins were very impressive, but uh, it's easy to forget last year. They, they were three, one and oh, and they had wins over the devils in Tampa. So it's, I, I don't want to run away and say this team's going to be a playoff contender yet, but I also don't want to take away from what they did. I think uh, to, to, to play like that on home ice is promising. If you're going to try to win fans back, get them back in the building Playing like that on home ice, uh, we'll do it. Uh, that That's, I think, the identity they need to start to develop is uh, playing close games on home ice and leaving it all out there. And sometimes if uh, if you quiet a guy like McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, fans should want to come back, I think, to the building and, and see the Flyers play. Yeah, and, and one thing I think fans need to notice, too, is this forward group is pretty formidable with these guys when they're healthy. Um, and people might've forgotten that. I mean, Atkinson only played one year here and then he was hurt. So it's almost like reminding, like the, maybe they're reminding people like, Hey, we actually have a decent forward group here. I mean, and it's, it's deep and there's some guys in there that just score goals and maybe with Bobby Brink and, you know, it's okay to just have some forwards that create offense. And, um, you know, it's – you don't see the um, – last year John Tortorella talked a lot about they don't have guys that make plays or that finish plays. And I don't feel like you're seeing early this season guys not finishing plays. I feel like you're seeing more of – Let's finish plays. When you have an opportunity, you score a goal. Uh, you're not missing the net all the time. You're not, you know, now we've seen it good and bad with the power play, but entering the zone, you know, I, I one of the things that, uh, if we're talking about something that is negative is sometimes I feel like this power play, they're, they're locked in on that slingshot power play, but they don't have a guy that's particularly great at skating the puck into the zone. And that slingshot only works when you're slinging it back to a guy that's, that's, and I think this is part of the frustration with Morgan Frost. He's supposed to be that guy and his zone entries are not great on the power play. They just aren't. And I feel like that's something that's missing with this team a little bit is the entering the zone on power plays with speed. Um, and that was a problem last year. And this year we're seeing it early on, less of a problem, but from time to time still they have, particularly last Saturday's game, it was, I mean, their power play looked like a bunch of guys that hadn't played together. And I think it breaks down when you get locked into doing that on the power play and you don't have a strong skater getting their entry into the zone. And um, so that's really, to me, that is where you notice the Morgan Frost thing is because he's supposed to be that shifty guy that plays in the middle, that gets the puck and enters the zone and sets up the power play. And um, we're just not seeing it sometimes with this team. But at other times, the power play looks great, and they're moving the puck around. And, you know, so that would be my – pretty much my lone take negative takeaway from early on is the 
inconsistency on the power play. No, it's funny you mentioned that because last night I was thinking, wow, that was a complete effort, but the power play did not score and it has not been scoring. It's that's probably the one thing I think they're they're really missing right now. If if you're looking for a total effort, it's it's they're missing a power play uh, that's taking advantage of opportunities. I, they have one power play goal so far through four games. Uh, they they also have one shorthanded goal. So the PK has matched the power play in terms of goal production. Um, that's something that probably has to change. Because uh, as we know, the Flyers are probably going to struggle to score goals at times uh, at even strength. So they got to take advantage when the power play hits the ice because uh, they can't really rely on the penalty kill to kill off everything and keep the game in check. Uh, so, yeah, one one area the Flyers, I think, can improve is the power play, which has been less in the league over the past two seasons. So uh, that's an area where Forster could help, uh, Bobby Brink, and, of course, Morgan Frost, when he gets back in the lineup, they would love if Frost gives them an injection of life there um, on the power play. But, Joe, you guys will have a pregame live for this Stars game. Uh, the team is in Dallas Saturday night, 8 o'clock puck drop. A pregame live is at 7.30 p.m., Eastern time on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Don't miss it. We'll have all the coverage right there. And we'll have all the coverage moving forward right here on the Flyers Talk podcast. Joe, thank you so much as always. Great to see you. Great chatting with you. A big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer and guru, for always being flexible with our time. And fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.